0: I think that having that more of a strategic way of accepting input and recommendations is really important as part of your change management strategy. Renata Bernati, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow and let's dive right in. It's an absolute beautiful day in Melbourne. It's springtime, it's September, it's absolutely lovely outside. And here I am doing what I love to do, which is chit-chatting with you about job hunting and career strategies. I was so surprised a few weeks ago to have found a blog. I had a blog back in 2011, and I completely forgot about it. And before I go ahead and delete it from the internet, which I plan to do, I am going to go through the blogs that I wrote and talk to you about them, because the ideas are still so good. In fact, many of them are incorporated in Job Hunting Made Simple, which is my group coaching program, and some other things that I do and the way that I coach. And I really wanted to recycle these blogs because they are too good. So I'm going to copy paste them in the blog for the Job Hunting Podcast for this episode. Okay, so Just reminding everybody how this works. The Job Hunting Podcast is available everywhere podcasts are found Apple, Spotify, Audible, etc., etc., and also on YouTube. So if you have an episode with a guest, chances are you can watch it on YouTube, even episodes that I do by myself. Many of them are on YouTube as well as videos. And if they are not done in videos, even the audio file is also available on YouTube. So if you are the sort of person that you prefer to watch people (laughs) rather than just listening, then you might just want to go and check out the episodes that I have there that are video episodes. And on my website, RenataBedadio.com, there's a blog for the Job Hunting Podcast, and usually I write stuff there, and I link things and so forth. So wherever you found this podcast, you will have a link to the blog, and I will copy-paste the entire blog from 2011. I'll make a few notes if I think there are stuff that we need to update, but frankly... I love it. I had completely forgotten about this blog, completely forgot that I wrote it. And I can't believe that I forgot it because they're really good. (laughs) I remember my sister had a blog, and my dad also decided to write a blog. My sister and I both gave up. I think we were too busy at the time. We still are busy, but back then it was even worse. But dad continued with his. And if you speak Portuguese, I will put the link below if you're interested in socioeconomic issues in Brazil. (laughs) My dad's blog is, oh, I think now you can translate it, right? I'm pretty sure you can Google translate it because that's how my kids, I have two sons, and they read their granddad's blog and they translate it. I'm sure their Portuguese is not that great. So they translate it and read it. Anywho. So this first blog that I wrote was about managing change and how important it is to manage change in a holistic way. And I love it. I love it. And I use the strategies. I mentioned two strategies that you can implement for positive change management. And I use these strategies to this day inside Job Hunting Made Simple. They're there. We talk about them. So I'd love to share with you here as well. Talking about Job Hunting Made Simple, before we move forward, Usually, I teach Job Hunting Made Simple, which is my group coaching program. I teach it as a cohort twice a year. So I bring a group. You know, last time we had, I think, 22, 23 people. And for seven weeks, we look for work together. It's really fun. I think it's so great that... People opt into group coaching. Group coaching is so fantastic. Not only you leverage from, of course, my coaching, that's why you signed up, but also from each other, you know, the connections you make. I just found out that the group that we had back in March 2023 somebody from the group hired somebody else from that group. (laughs) And, you know, that sort of network is so important for one's careers. I'm not saying that that will always happen, but those connections are really invaluable. Plus, you learn so much from questions that other people ask that you hadn't thought of. I think that's really how you can extrapolate the learning with group coaching. It's not for everyone. So if you have a very public role, for example, I have some clients that contacted me you know, and said, should I do the group coaching? I'm like, look, there's some risks for you. Maybe you could do private coaching instead, or let's do one-on-one consultations. So it's not for everybody, but it's like 80% of the people that reach out to me could definitely be doing group coaching. And I won't be doing the group coaching before the end of the year. I really wanted to, but I'm so busy with my private clients and with corporate work, the consulting work that I do that I just don't have the energy and the time before the end of the year to do it justice. And I really want to do it justice. So I'm going to be running the Job Hunting Made Simple group coaching program again early next year. So if you signed up and you are on the wait list for Job Hunting Made Simple, you will get a special email from me explaining everything. So I'll do that as soon as possible. So I think it will be early October that I'll be emailing everybody. And if you are on my subscribers list, you will also know what's going on. So subscribe to my newsletter. There's a link to it below. It's on my website, RenataBernardi.com. And I will definitely be, you know, updating you on what's going on. I'm trying to rethink my business for 2024 and beyond and sharpen some of the ideas. I mean, it's four years old now in October. And, you know, I had such a blast during this pandemic. And frankly, I think 2023 is the first kind of normal year that we've had since we started. So it's really about time to review how we're doing and see how we can continue to service this community of corporate professionals that have come on board the job hunting podcast and is reaching out to me in a way that benefits both my clients and myself because yeah my time is sort of finite (laughs) and the work seems to be infinite so I need to find a way to make that work and we have some great ideas that we're working on here in the team so yeah so this blog this blog that I hope will disappear soon (laughs) it's still out there. on the internet and this idea about managing change is just so important. Just to give you an idea, I have clients that are, you know, managing change at work. I have people that have been restructured out of jobs that are about to start working with me. I've signed up quite a few clients this month in September. I have in my corporate work that I do as a consultant stepped in to support teams following restructures, you know, so really helping them establish themselves, learn about each other and become high-performing teams yet again. So managing change is often linked to expectations, to stress and changes in performance levels, right? So this happens because change affects the difficulties that you will encounter in life, in work, in your personal situation, It takes some time for you, or if you're managing change at work, for the entire team to return to their ideal states. When you're implementing change, there is a discrepancy between the demands that change is having on your work, on your personal life, and the resources that you have available to deal with that change. This lack of balance takes some time to sort of Come back to your life. And this can happen when you lose a job, when you're looking for work. This can happen also when you find a job. And it's a big change. You know, if you think about what happens when you find a job, you know, your brain is in overdrive. You're trying to accumulate and assimilate so much, and you don't have all the resources yet that you need to do that job. So it's a really steep learning curve. So that's what happens when you're trying to balance those demands and resources. And that's what makes change management such an important area of expertise for every corporate professional so that you can achieve that well-being again, that balance again in your work and your life. There is more to it than just the interest in well-being. Well-being is linked to performance, right? So we know that individuals and teams that have positive emotional states, they perform better at work. So what happens is when we're going through change, we have a tendency to feel quite threatened by it. we go into fight and flight mode that elevates stress and it makes us opt into, accidentally many times, a negative emotional state. It reduces our cognitive abilities and we don't perform as creatively as well as we could in terms of the sort of day-to-day work that we need to do. We become more antagonistic as well. There's more sort of critical eye (laughs) that we get, you know, from being in that negative state. We become more negative towards ourselves, towards our colleagues. We, you know, see in workplaces more absenteeism, more sick leave, more stress level increase, more performance issues. So the whole efficiency of work changes during transition, during transformation, during change. And that can happen both at work, you know, if there's a a big transformation piece happening at work, you probably have experienced this, but it can happen also with us as individuals. So if you're going through job hunting, if you're, you know, just lost your job, or if you're going through something that's happening in your personal life as well, it can have that same effect on you. Research also shows that excessive complexity and strain can lead individuals to feel like they are lacking in control and that sort of also is related to health issues. And, you know, not only people can get depressed, but they can also have some physical health issues like heart disease, other problems that are either increased and enhanced by the stress in their bodies or that just appear for the first time. They hadn't had it before and all of a sudden they feel sick. And one thing that people notice as well when they're going through stress at work Ongoing, that sort of micro-stress that you don't even feel like it's affecting you. You may have experienced this. Please contact me if you have. <laughs> Just send me a note on one of my social media channels or reply to my newsletter and say, yes, you were talking to me. <laughs> I would love to hear from you. But has anyone here listening to this episode gone on a holiday after working so hard to get that bloody holiday only to then get super sick during the holiday? It's very very common, right? And that shows that, you know, that strain at work is affecting your health. As soon as you relax from the stress, your body just goes into, okay, we need to fix this. <laughs> We've been fighting off this stress forever, and, you know, we're actually quite sick from it. And then you fall sick. So thinking holistically about your life, about your work is so important. When implementing change in the workplace, when implementing change in your life, It is affecting not only your stress, but also the stress of other employees, families, your community, right? I was listening to this interview with a neuroscientist explaining how stress is transferable from person to person. She works with C-level professionals. And if they are very stressed, they can transpire literally, like they can sweat it off. And that sweat and that cortisol levels that they sort of have affects their teams and it makes other people stressed, right? So imagine that. So managing your stress levels, especially if you are a senior exec with, you know, responsibility for teams is so important and understanding that this thing that we probably intuitively already knew was happening, that, you know, stressed people make us stressed, can actually have a physiological explanation to it. I was just flabbergasted. I'll put a link to this interview below if you want to listen to it as well. So in this blog that I wrote, what, 12 years ago, <laughs> I came up with these two strategies to implement for a positive change management, Right. But here's the catch. It's one thing to know something is good for you and can help you. It's another thing to make that knowledge last beyond listening to this episode, listening to me talk to you about it right now, right? You really need to put these ideas to work. And I use this metaphor to understand how our mind works in terms of knowing something is good and doing something And how hard it is to actually do that, that we haven't done before. And it's idea, it's not my idea, it's one that's quite well known in positive psychology literature. It's the idea of the rider on the back of an elephant. So if you think of the elephant as your behavior, your instincts and the traditional ways of doing things... And the rider trying to train that big elephant is you listening to this episode, understanding how to actually make change more positive for you, make well-being something that you strive for. You need to learn how to ride that big, heavy, stubborn elephant that wants to go one way and you want to go another way. So for example, this morning, I had set myself a goal to meditate and to go for a walk every day so this is my three-month goal so I will be walking every day meditating every day these two things are actually part of my (laughs) part of my routine but not as intensely as I want it to be for now like I really want this to be something I do every day rain or shine I don't care what's happening in my day I will wake up I will walk and I will meditate And my brain started playing tricks on me when I woke up and like, oh, you know, I have a doctor's appointment. Maybe today I can skip it. (laughs) It was the big elephant just saying, oh, maybe today's the day that you don't need to do it, which is often what happens to me. Like I will find excuses a few times a week not to do it. And I'm very good at arguing with myself. (laughs) And I almost didn't meditate and didn't walk. But thank goodness, I, you know, I kept my promise to myself. So think about this idea of the rider and the elephant as you listen to the two strategies that I'm going to suggest. And in change management, we may not have the time and the resources to affect long-term behavior. However, we do have a few tools that we can use to positively affect well-being during the time of change. These sort of positive change experiences will live behind a positive impression that will help future changes, right? So even if you think, oh, I don't know all the things that I need to do. I don't know, you know, that I can do all of the things. Do the little things first, because once you start implementing a positive change management strategy with small baby steps towards it, it's not a linear route what happens is is an expansive route right so you will start feeling like things will just start to unravel and become more clear and you will have access to other tools as you initiate the initial steps i hope that i'm making sense here but it's really interesting when i start working with my clients and they're quite set in their ways and they really haven't opened their minds yet to the changes that are coming their way through the coaching that they do with me and in a month or two months down the track they have expanded in their knowledge and their thinking and what they want to achieve for themselves in a way that is completely different from you know two months before it's just incredible to see I'm thinking of a client specifically that I coached Friday last week and we had this conversation and she was so different from you know the person that started working with me just three months prior. So it was lovely to see how she was confident in talking about her career and her ambitions and the things that she was going to achieve and had already achieved. And it was just so fantastic to see. All right. So the first strategy for a positive change management attitude is to adopt a change Lycometer. I know you probably haven't heard of this before, the lycometer, but during the development phase and the first stages of you implementing change, be it change with teams or change just by yourself, other people will interfere or have ideas about it and want to provide you with their opinions. And I want you to implement this like or dislike thermometer because. It is important for you to assess the opinions and the recommendations and the advice of others, right? Be on the lookout and do not dismiss your intuition and, you know, whatever people say, don't make that the absolute truth about what you're going through listen to it and say, okay, do I like this feedback? Do I like this advice? Does this advice serve my purpose? Does it serve what I want to do? Or should I just listen to it, acknowledge it, thank the person for their ideas and their inputs, and then move on because I didn't like it and it's not sort of really linked to what I'm trying to do? It happens a lot with people that are going through change that they get a lot of inputs from others. And I like, you know, I'm the sort of person that I prefer to share things. You know, some people like to keep it quiet and not share. I think it's important to share with those that you love, that you trust, because you may learn a lot from them. And I think that you go out to market with a minimal viable idea and that idea expands and, and gets better and better as you incorporate the sort of feedback. I'll give you an example. When I started thinking about my coaching business, I had a business coach that worked with me. I was made redundant, by the way, if you don't know this. I was made redundant. I received the package. I thought, I'm not going to go back to the workforce. I want to become a career coach. I worked with both a career coach and a business coach as part of my outplacement. And with my business coach, who was fantastic, I put together an idea And I thought about coaching just women. And I remember going to one of my people in my network at the time, Sandy Hutchinson. I interviewed her for the podcast. She gave me the best advice I've ever received. She said, why are you only coaching 50% of your market? Why not coach men and women and, you know, coach anybody? (laughs) Why Why are you focusing only on women? I'm like... Okay, you're right. I like that. I mean, why not? You know, I can I can certainly coach everybody. And that was the best thing that happened to me because unfortunately I have to say, and I and I'm saying this, when people book a discovery call with me about private coaching, if they are women, I now tell them what happens. I tell them, look, this is what's gonna happen. Men do these discovery calls with me and they sign me up the next day. Women take forever. They second guess, they have to talk with themselves with others and then they don't sign up and I don't know what to do about this it's been going on for three and a half years now so I actually have more men than women working with me and that's a real problem for women Trying to advance their careers, I think I'm not saying working with Renata is the only thing that will help your career. Absolutely not. But I'm, I'm just using this as a proxy to try to understand, you know, how women work and how they think about career advancement. How come, you know, men and women with similar professions, with similar job titles, with similar salaries, you know, how come men? decide okay I'm gonna invest in you Renata let's go and women they say oh I don't know I have to think about it I'm not sure it's a big investment and then they don't sign up so in terms of reaction to that feedback from Sandy I'm glad I incorporated that but I also received equal number if not more ideas and feedbacks that I thought no this doesn't work for me So I think that having that more of a strategic way of accepting input and recommendations is really important as part of your change management strategy. And then the second thing is to control negative bias with a sound communication strategy. So staff that is involved with change implementation in business, you know, they should always have that in mind. That change for most people is linked to something bad, (laughs) is linked to disruption. It poses a threat to their status quo in the workplace. So if you're doing this at work or if you're doing this for yourself, you have to have a sound communication strategy at work. You have to have a great communication strategy with your team that is being affected by this change if you're doing a change to your career, you have to communicate well with your family, friends. In my case, for example, when I decided I wanted to open a business instead of going back into the workforce, that was back in 2018, it was hard to tell my husband, you know, I I felt bad. I felt like, you know, I knew that for months and months, I probably wouldn't contribute financially. And although I had received a package, you know, there was a great chance that the business wouldn't go well. I'm very lucky and happy that it's done so well and, and that we're sort of working on this project together now. And I'm very happy that he not only supported me back then, but, you know, stepped on board to support me even more now that the business is growing. But having that clear communication and being open about it, I think is so important. So you have to control and overcome the negative bias that people will have once you communicate. So I remember telling my friends and they're like, oh, no, but you're having such an amazing career. Don't let this last fit, this setback, you know, detract you from like this amazing corporate trajectory that you're going through. Because, you know, I've had some great roles and big roles and I've done rather well. I, I could, you know, continue to do well if I wanted to invest in having more corporate roles. I just didn't want to. <laughs> so I believe that communication needs to be really tailored, really special and clear. And identifying the needs of the people that are in your audience, and explain to them what, it, how you know what it is that you're trying to achieve and communicate well, and communicate the expectations, and communicate the plan, and have an exit plan if need be, in case of you know. Making a huge career transition like I did, the compromise in my partnership with my husband was, well, if it doesn't work in five years, I'll go back to the corporate workforce, I'll find another job. And it's been three and a half years and we're doing great. But, you know, I think it's important to make sure that that is clearly communicated and agreed upon and Yeah, those are the two strategies. They sound simple, but they're actually not easy to do. (laughs) They're not easy to implement. I think the communication strategy is one that people really miss out on doing better. And I think because it's hard for the change agent to come to terms with the fact that the change is necessary, and also because sometimes the change is so clear in your head, and that you fail to understand that it's not clear outside of your head. <laughs> so that's why sometimes I think the communication strategy is lacking. And the light commuter is one that I think we really don't do well. We don't understand how people will react. For every action from our part, there is a reaction that will come our way and then we don't know how to assess all of the feedbacks and we start to self-doubt you know we start to rethink you know our change am I really doing the right thing for myself and you know being able to be resilient and bounce back from feedback and adjust the strategies of your change based on great feedback is really important it needs to be strategic. So in terms of final words, you know, well-being is in the best interest of everyone. You know, your employer, your future employer, yourself, your family, your community, your, your friends, your colleagues at work. Work and life satisfaction are so linked. I don't even know why we created two different spheres and words to sort of explain them. Work is a big part of one's life and mental health, and we need to start doing better at monitoring and assessing how we're sort of operating in both spheres at work and at home and controlling for the negative bias that we have naturally towards change so that we're able to, you know, become productive doing change, but become even more productive as we go through change sooner by implementing some of these strategies that I spoke about today. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. It's a bit of a different one for this podcast, and it's been a pleasure to record it. Just a couple of things. If you're still listening, don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter so that you can learn about the programs that I run especially the news that I'm about to share about the job hunting made simple program and when it will be running again as a group coaching program it was lovely to be with you here and I will see you next time bye for now